And now, the First and Gold Podcast with Jason Gold. Welcome to the First and Gold Podcast. My name is Jason Gold. Welcome to the show today. Today we'll be talking about week three of the Pac-12 and breaking down the Stanford and USC matchup on Saturday afternoon. On the show today, Brian Kalbrowski from Fox Sports. He covers the Pac-12 South for our website. Looking forward to talking to him, so let's get right to it. All right, first on the program today, Fox Sports. Brian Kalbrowski, how are you doing today? Doing great, Jason. I'm excited to be on your show. All right, so... The reason we brought you on, we've been talking all week about this, is the USC-Stanford game. We really wanted to dive into this one. USC at home versus a 1-1 Stanford team that obviously lost Northwestern to start the season. USC favored by 10 points. They've played absolutely nobody this season, no one worthy of stepping on the field at the Coliseum. So it'll be interesting to see how good USC actually is. Um, with that being said, I think that for me, the key in this game is turnover margin. You sent me over a tweet earlier that said that Sanford is 34-3 under David Shaw when they win the turnover margin. Do you think that's the key to the game here? Uh, I think that's definitely a key to the game. Um, if you look more at that tweet, uh, it goes on to explain that UC, uh, sorry, USC rather uh, is not, it has not turned the ball over once this year yet. One of seven um, teams in FBS that has not turned it over yet. Which is, I mean, yeah, like you said, they've hardly played much competition. Idaho is the epitome of a cupcake opponent. Um, but it's still an impressive fact because, you know, there's jitters at the beginning of the season. I think that uh, the real thing that you'll want to watch for in this game is the quarterback battle, um, especially because they're both such experienced against each other, such experienced quarterbacks against each other. Uh, so I'm excited to see what they do. And also USC's rushing attack has been really incredible so far this season um, with three different running backs getting over 10 carries so far. So it's a diverse attack, and we've got four different guys who have scored touchdowns in that rushing attack. So we'll see how Stanford's uh, kind of rough defensive line will be able to match up against that too. Yeah, so that's the point that I wanted to make, which was Stanford's defensive line is in shambles right now, to be quite honest. They have three guys who are healthy. They have a fourth who... Is a walk-on who hasn't really played, who's stepping into the role. They have a fifth that they're bringing up from linebacker to play defensive line. They're, they obviously lost um, their best player before the season on the line. So you're talking about a USC team that's been running the ball really well against the Stanford defensive line that, while it's been great in the past, what do you have to say for yourself now? Uh, it could be a real issue. I think that USC is going to exploit that, especially late in the game when, uh, when the Stanford defensive line gets tired. Oh, absolutely. And I think... Even when they're not going for the rushing attack, I mean, USC's recorded 469 yards on the ground, but they've recorded 779 in the air, too, with uh, seven touchdowns from Cody Kessler. So, I mean, you look at you know, someone like Juju Smith, if, if the rushing attack isn't working for USC by some reason, then you can always go in the air. I think this is one of uh, USC's most potent offenses I've seen, at least uh, in a long time. I think that, um, you know, so through two games, they've been kind of, rolling on all cylinders, uh, whether or not they do that against Stanford. Stanford's historically been uh, very competitive against USC. The last five matches have been, I think, decided by 4.6 points per game on average. Um, but I think that once you get uh, you know, these 2015 teams in the same uh, stadium, we'll really see uh, the, the first real test for USC so far. Uh, Stanford hasn't looked as good this season as uh, you would have hoped, especially with the loss to Northwestern. But um, you know, despite what Stanford's defensive back says, it, it is more of a rivalry that people are considering. 
Yeah, no, it's definitely a rivalry. Uh, I don't know what Ronnie Harris is talking about. This is probably one of the, I would say one of the best, I don't know, 10, 5 in the Pac-12. It's certainly up there. Um, I want to go back to the, the close games. I don't know if a lot of people realize this, but so USC has won the last two matchups between the two teams by a field goal each. And before that, the previous three, Stanford won all three of those by a total of 11 points. So it, you would tend to expect that this is going to be a really close game. And it, I think the bigger point is is that USC thought it would be really high. Stanford's supposed to be down after that Northwestern loss. But I, I, I have a feeling that it's going to be a lot closer for the majority game than people realize. I actually think that USC is going to win, and I think they're going to cover the 10-point spread. Um, but I don't think they're going to do it to the very end. I think Stanford's going to tire out young defensive backs. I think that Cody Kessler's going to throw the ball at the end of the game, and they're going to be able to run the ball effectively. I, I can see Stanford being up at the end of the third quarter. I just think USC is going to blitz them in the fourth, uh, which would be an impressive win for them. I mean, it would be great for USC to get off to that type of start and take down Stanford, and it would be weird to see Stanford at 1-2, that's for sure. I think, yeah, one and two Stanford team would be a little bit misleading considering, uh, you know, they have such an experienced quarterback over there. I think one thing that people may not be um, thinking about much that they probably should be is Juju Smith. I mean, he, he's been really probably the best receiver, especially in the Pac-12, but maybe even in the nation um, through two games so far. Uh, but last year he had one of his worst games ever. Uh, against Stanford. He had one catch, negative two yards, and that's after he had 123 yards the previous week. So if Stanford can shut down Juju Smith again, I mean, he's been really one of the things that's helped USC be so uh, such a hot team so far this year, and he's really helped Cody Kessler especially feel confident that when he throws the ball, someone's going to be out there to catch it. Uh, Juju is USC's leading receiver with 281 yards, but the next guy only has 66 yards. So Juju's obviously the main target, and Stanford shut him down last year. The other thing I want to talk about, going back to last year's matchup, was the, the red zone, I would say, inefficiency last year. I mean, it was atrocious. Yeah, from both sides, really. So I think that's going to be another key. I, I, it could not possibly be as bad as it was last year. But uh, I definitely think that getting into the red zone and being able to get seven, probably more important for Stanford. I feel like they're probably going to have less opportunities in the red zone than USC is, so they got to capitalize something they have not done well uh, with in the, in the past. Um, they definitely need to be getting six points every time they drive in the red zone. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, looking at the last few games, it hasn't really been very high scoring, uh, whereas I think that both of these teams um, are kind of going to be – a little bit more electrifying this year than we've seen in previous years for those matches. I think that this is really USC's, uh, one of their best offensive teams in a while. They don't have much of an offensive line, but going against Stanford's defensive line that's a little shaken up uh, shouldn't be much of a problem. Um, so I think, I mean, I think that, yeah, USC will cover that 10-point spread, like you said. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Stanford can keep them close. Just historically, that seems to be the case. Uh, follow that narrative a little bit. But I think USC wins by about two touchdowns or so. Um, and I think it's going to be a high-scoring game rather than a low-scoring game. Do you have a score prediction for us? Um, I'm going to go ahead and say 35-24. I have 38-24 written down, so we're definitely on the same page there. It's that Eugene water we were drinking for four years. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't drinking it in a while. I need to get some back. <laughs> well, actually, we'll, we'll both be drinking it uh, when they play USC this year, I believe, right? Yes, we will both be up there. Oh, it's, it's glorious. Eugene's glorious that time of year. Oh, man. Nothing better than fall on you, Jan, that's for sure. All right, so we're going to, before we leave uh, 
for this part of the podcast, we're going to do go through all the Pac-12 games, and we're going to give our Pac-12 picks for the week. This should be fun. Uh, I have oh, all yeah. the spreads in front of me. I have all of the games. We're going to keep track, so next week we'll kind of make this a running game between the two of us. Uh, maybe we'll have to do a lunch on Fox. We'll <laughs> see what comes up. Um, <laughs> we'll see how right. it goes. So first game, which is tomorrow night, uh, Arizona State and New Mexico, not very interesting. Arizona State's been <laughs> really, really overvalued. I mean, the three touchdown loss to, Arizona, uh, to Texas A&M. And then they got they struggle with Cal Poly. I realize they run yeah. run a weird option system there, um, but they they really struggle for a long time with that team. I mean, it might be early, but this actually might be the second worst team in the Pac-12 South, and not just a team that came in ranked this season. Pac-12 South is four ranked teams right now, so it's a little oh, it's a little bit unfair to call them the second worst team. But I think you know. Arizona State has not impressed me. The win, the win that came on Friday against New Mexico, I think that would be a really big red flag, like especially for Todd Graham as he's up for a contract extension. Uh, that would give him a raise, but um, I think I think they'll get the win. I think they need a convincing win though because they really looked pretty uh, pretty shaky so far. Absolutely. So the line is twenty eight on this game. I have ASU winning forty nine fourteen. So that's a cover, but I wouldn't put any money on this game. <laughs> Oh no! I, that's a that's a Arizona State's not a team you trust to put money on with a twenty eight point spread, especially you know losing their first game, but looking shaky game two. You hope they cover, especially if you're a fan of the Pac twelve South. I think they will cover, but I don't know. I think they barely cover, to be honest with you. I feel like that's about right. All right, let's move over to our Eugene boys coming off a loss to Michigan State, a loss that likely won't hurt them in the long run as long as they take care of business in the Pac twelve North. Uh, they're favored by 45 and a half points, which is ridiculous. Uh, Vernon Adams may or may not play. Uh, it seems like he more likely than not to play right now, probably 60-40, but uh, not really sure right now. They're playing Georgia State. So I don't know anything about Georgia State, so I got it 65-17. 65-17. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say that Vernon Adams doesn't play this game. Um, because I don't think it's worth the risk. I say give him some recovery. I know that Oregon's defense has been considered pretty bad this year. I think that the, uh, you know, they dropped, what was it, eight spots this week after losing to Michigan State. If you look at 2011, as Chris Dufresne from the LA Times uh, pointed out, uh, LSU lost, or Bama lost uh, LSU at home by three and dropped two spots, whereas uh, Oregon dropped eight. So I think this Oregon team is a little bit undervalued right now. Uh, Georgia State and Oregon have been about similarly productive on defense, but Oregon's playing against Michigan State, so I think it's a little bit unfair to, to compare that to, um, you know, being an Oregon homer. I say Oregon covers and wins by a landslide, but I wouldn't expect Vernon to play. I say give him some rest before the conference schedule. It'd be interesting. I mean, they got a big game with Utah coming up right after that, so uh, I could see him getting some rest. I could also see him coming out and playing, you know, the first quarter and just getting out of the way, see how the hand feels. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right, too. George, I mean, Utah's a really good team, and they've got a great defense. So I, I don't want to risk running Adams if I'm an Oregon coach right now. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. But I, I think that I would put him out there for at least a series, probably the first quarter, and then take him out. Yeah, I mean, what makes you nervous is what if Jeff Lockie looks like ridiculously good. Does he get that starting gig is the question. And I don't think that Vernon's losing it. But, you know, that's the worry there. All right, next game, we got Utah State, my favorite player in college football since Mariota left, so Chucky Keaton, my seventh-year quarterback at Utah State. Uh, they're traveling to Washington. The Huskies are favored by five-and-a-half points. Actually, the Huskies have been a little bit 
I think they've been uh, better than I thought they were going to be, actually. Their defense is good. Their special team is really good. Uh, I think that the Browning kid is going to be very good down the line. He's okay right now. They played Sac State and put up 49. That was okay. But uh, I think that Utah State is actually going to come in and get a win. I like what I saw out of them against Utah last week at Utah. It's a tough place to play. I don't think Husky Stadium is as hard to play in. And I think UW, just, they're a little too young. I have it really low scoring. I have it 17-16 Utah State. 17-16 Utah State? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that I don't think Coach P is going 1-2 and two, uh, to start off the season before conference schedule even begins. Um, I think that Washington team's a little bit scarier than maybe you're giving credit to. Um, I think that Utah State might cover. I don't think they're going to pull off the win, though. Fair enough. Kind of going out on a limb there myself, so it's all good. Uh, Colorado State, Colorado. Colorado's favored by four points. The game is at Colorado State. I have to go with Colorado State here. I don't know why. I don't. I don't trust Mike McIntyre. I don't trust Colorado. I'm going with. Uh, I'm going with Colorado State to cover and win 23-20. 23-20. Look at you. Uh, I think Colorado's getting this win. Um, Colorado looked really good. Kind of. Uh, against uh, UMass, their, their, their receiver Nelson Spruce is now the leading Colorado uh, completion leader of all time at, at that program. I think that, uh, you know, they had one of their best rushing attacks ever last week against UMass. Coming off a win, I think uh, they might tie their 2014 record this year with another win this, uh, this weekend. And then they'll probably lose almost all of their conference games. But I think while they're still in the non-conference schedule, they'll, they'll beat their rival here against Colorado State and they'll cover all right, fair enough. My favorite game of the weekend, screw USC-Stanford. It's Cal-Texas. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this game for six months because I think it's the Jer- Jared, uh, Jared Goff show ready to take off. Uh, I have Cal. That The line is 6.5. Cal's favored by 6.5 on the road at Texas. If you let that what, sink in for a little what, bit. What world do we live in? How has yeah, this happened? Just let that sink in for a second. Cal is favored by 6.5 points at Texas. And not only that, I think I'm still picking them. I really oh, do. Oh, I'm I'm picking them. I'm picking them so hard. I have them 35-24. I think Goff's going to go off on them. I, yeah, I, I think he's the best quarterback in the country. I think that uh, the Cal coach recently said there's not a single quarterback in the country he would take over uh, Jared Goff. And I think that that's almost a fair analysis. I mean, Jared Goff has looked good uh, for as long as I've seen him play. This is him finally kind of reaching uh, maybe even his coming out party. So I think that Jared Goff uh, does look good against Texas, too, and I'm picking Cal as well. The best, the best quote of the week came from the Texas defensive coordinator who said that Jared Goff yeah. is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. That's really, really the highest praise you can put on someone right now. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, I think that I think they were kind of trying to probe. Uh, I mean, going on to the next game, Stanford USC, they were trying to probe an Andrew Luck quote comparison with Cody Kessler, and I know that uh, Shaw just wouldn't do it. So I think that to call to call uh, Cal's quarterback uh, Andrew Andrew um, to call Cal's quarterback Aaron Rodgers is a lofty praise, especially considering uh, how good Cody Kessler's been this year. Absolutely. Uh, next game is Oregon State, San Jose State. Not much to talk about here. Oregon State got dump trucked by, by Michigan last week at the Big House. I have Oregon State winning this game 28-27, which means San Jose State covers the spread, which is 7.5. Um, I, I, I think I've got Oregon State like a 35-27, uh, just barely covering the spread here. I don't think Oregon State's got a very good team this year, but I don't think San Jose, San Jose State is much to worry about either. 
I will say, I do like Seth Collins. I know he didn't play well last week. His first game was up and down. Kid can move. Kid can really move. If he learned, and he throws a really nice deep ball. If he puts it together, I think he's going to be a really good quarterback for Oregon State down the road. Yeah, and they've had good quarterbacks too, so it would be a continuing tradition. All right, Wazoo, Wyoming. There's nothing to talk about in this game. Wazoo, great comeback last week against Rutgers. Falk named uh, Offensive Player of the Week, but nothing to talk about. They're favored by 24 and a half. I have them winning 49 to 20, which is a cover. You know, I'm going to go ahead and say Wazoo wins this game. I'm going to hope that Wazoo is one of those most improved teams in college football stories, but uh, I think that I think that Wyoming might cover it. I think that uh, Wazoo is good, but how good are they? How good are they really? I mean, it is Washington State we're talking about. Oh, they did lose to Portland State. So. Right, exactly. So that's, a, that's a big cover for them to get. So I'm picking Wyoming on the cover, but I'm picking Washington State to win the game. All right, cool. We have three games left. Utah, Fresno State, Fresno well, State. I don't think we actually did a pick for a Sanford USC, did we? Yeah, we did. I had 38-24, you had 35-24. Right, right, right. Okay, you're right. We just did that Uh, earlier. Yeah, all good. Uh, Utah, Fresno State. Fresno State's coming off of a big loss to Ole Miss. Utah has looked – they might be the most impressive team in the South outside of UCLA right now. Well, maybe UCLA, USC, and Utah are the three most impressive. Yeah, I think I think that uh, it's either going to be UCLA or Utah in the Pac-12 championship this year. Personally, um, I like that Utah team a lot. I just I just want that quarterback Travis Wilson to be healthy because he has looked so good as a senior quarterback playing under a really experienced coach and Coach Witt. Um, I think uh, Utah Utah wins and they cover, but Fresno State's not a bad team. Uh, I like Utah as well to cover. I have them thirty-one fourteen. The line is fourteen, so a slight cover there. Yeah. UCLA, BYU. That's my game of the week. Oh, man, am I excited for this quarterback I'll let you you tee off on this. UCLA is currently favored at home by 16.5 points. You know, that is a very tough gambling pick. I think if you're talking about this from a pure football perspective, uh, I think UCLA is the obvious pick because – there's just so much to like about this UCLA team, whether it's uh, their, their young star quarterback as a true freshman or whether it's uh, Paul Perkins, who's really been um, one of the more underrated players in the Pac-12 this year. But uh, I don't know. I think it's going to be a really close game. I think Tanner Mangum is going to be really electrifying once again. I don't see the late-game heroics happening three weeks in a row. I just don't think that uh, a Hail Joseph, Hail Mary is going to happen uh, you know, as often as it does. But... Um, UCLA for the win, BYU for the spread, uh, and it's, uh, it's going to be a close one, and I'm excited for that one on Fox Sports 1. I absolutely agree with everything that you said. I don't even need to say any more. Uh, UCLA 34, BYU 26. No late comeback here. UCLA takes it late, but I do think it'll be close at least through the first three quarters. Yeah, random factoid, though, is that BYU won their last game against UCLA in 2008, I believe, 59 to nothing. So hopefully we don't see another blowout because I want to see a close game here on Saturday night. Was that Neuheisel or was that Carl Durrell? Uh, That was probably Neuheisel. Um, But yeah, his first year. Yeah, because, yeah, it was. I mean, BYU's quarterback threw seven touchdowns, um, and and UCLA didn't record a single point. Sounds great. Uh, so last game, there's no spread on this. This will be quick. Arizona, Northern Arizona. Arizona's got some issues on the defense. I know that you've written about that a little bit. Uh, what's the status with some of their linebackers? They don't have anybody back there right now, right? They have a walk-on freshman, uh, basically, with Trey Tyler, who's going to be the starting linebacker, middle linebacker. Scooby Wright's out for a few more weeks. His replacement, Hayden Gregory, is out for about three or four weeks. Um, 
So, I mean, yeah, it's tough. You looked at uh, you looked at before the season, Arizona's biggest strength being their middle linebacker, and now it's probably one of their biggest weaknesses. I don't think that Trey Tyler is incompetent. Uh, Northern Arizona is really slept on. I think the number 24 in the coaches poll. But um, I think if it's a pick em, you pick Arizona. They're just, uh, you know, the, the, the sophomore combo of, of Solomon and Wilson has been pretty lethal. Uh, as an offensive attack for Arizona, so I'm picking Arizona, but it'll be a close game. I mean, Arizona's got a uh, very weak defense right now. Arizona's got a lot of issues. I actually think that they're going to – I mean, it's northern Arizona, so I have Arizona 55-24 right now. I think so they're going to lay it on the offense left side. Those late-night Pac-12 games, though, should make you nervous. We'll see how it goes. After dark. I can't exactly. wait for it. I need it. <laughs> exactly, and we'll see how the referees do, too. All right. This has been fun. Uh, Brian, thank you for joining us. It's been great. We're going to do this next week. Um, Until then, have fun this weekend, and uh, hopefully the Pac-12 pulls out some nice wins for us. Yeah, Pac-12 needs a big weekend, that's for sure. Thanks, Jason. I appreciate having me on. Have a good one.